before I got invited to church, I had this dream and it was like a love, but at the same time was really scary. And this is why. So I had seen like a man, obviously this being Jesus, like walking down this hallway, like his back was turned. He was walking down this hallway. He was like in a really white robe. I couldn't see his face. And then, you know, I saw him walking this way. I started to follow him and his face, all of a sudden his face appeared like right here. Right, but I couldn't make out like his face or anything. I just knew his face was in front of me. Couldn't see any features, nothing. I just knew and it was really quick. And he looked at me and then all of a sudden, like five seconds later, everything went black and I dropped. And like, I woke up like instantly, like sweating and like in the middle of the night, like I'd known that I had gone to hell. Avi, what's your full name and, and what do you do for a living? <sighs> full name is Avi Elfasi. What I do for a living, I'm just, yeah, I'm a roofing contractor, exteriors, you know, stuff like that. I do, I'm in the sales department. Mm. How so, old are you? 24. 24. How long have you been walking with Jesus? Uh, about two and a half years now. Okay. Two and, and a did, half years. Did you grow up in a religious home? Um, yes. Not Christian. I was raised Jewish. So mm. my dad, you know, he's born in Morocco, raised in Israel, and he flew over here, married my mother, and she had... Um, converted to Judaism to get married to him and they raised you know so we could all be Jewish me and my family and we were all raised you know in this in the synagogue we would go every Saturday Shabbat you know we do holidays some days you know we'd be there all day because that's what the, the holiday needed you know that's what you needed to do so I was pretty it was kind of religious growing up because I had gone to Hebrew school I had um, you know done a bar mitzvah I got circumcised at eight years old called a Brit Milah you know circumcision so i've done all the the rituals and the traditions of the jewish faith so that's you know we were raised up pretty kind of on the religious side there yeah so tell us about your life before coming to jesus mm -hmm. and what caused you to convert to christianity so the thing was right my mother's side of the family she was raised christian and my grandmother her mother was you know Christian, very Christian. They would go to church all the time. She was raised in the church. So when I was like 12 or 13 or 14 years old, something like that, my grandmother talked to me about Jesus. She planted the seed when I was young. We had done the prayer, you know, the born again, you know, accepting the Holy Spirit. And she said, okay, you're born again. And I didn't know what that meant at 13 years old. Yeah. And she would always continue to, you know, sit in the living room with her Bible open. And I would kind of try to walk past her so I wouldn't have to sit next to her and talk about Jesus and stuff. Cause she, when you get an hour with my grandma, it wouldn't be you no know, five, 15 minutes. It would be an hour minimum. So, you know, that seed was planted though. So I had known, you know, what's right, what's wrong, kind of what the new Testament says on top of the old Testament. You know, I had a foundation of God in my life growing up. So, you know, I did, I wasn't like ignorant yeah. to that. How did, how did your dad feel about those conversations and and your parents or your grandma essentially influencing you to um, accept Christianity or so, accept Jesus in your yeah, life. I, exactly. So I, they would, I've heard them argue a lot before about it, and my dad wasn't too happy about it, obviously, because his dad was a rabbi, um, Rabbi Shalom El Fasi, and he had five sons, and they all grew up very religious in Israel, like. I'm talking like black hat religious, no electricity on sh on Saturday, no driving the cars on Saturday, right? And so he ran away when he was 16 years old in Israel to get out, got out of that religious 
household because religion it just like chokes you with rules and and do this don't do that and it's just too it's it's no one can who can really bear that you know so but like he has that he had that like that seed planted in him where if you go into like a church or if you go into a mosque you'll die type of type of like thinking type of mentality so when he married uh, my mom and they went to israel there's like a church in like Jerusalem and where um, I think the burial of Jesus was or something like that. And they walked into it and my dad thought he was really going to die because of, you know, you, like it's Jesus, right? Jesus is like a no-no, right? So they didn't, he didn't really take that idea too, too fondly. So, I mean, now he's kind of like accepting it because he sees how my life is going. Yeah. He sees my life has been better than it was. So now, now he kind of accepts it a little more but it's taken a long time mm. so tell us about about that life before before jesus obviously i i know you so i know you uh been through a lot but for the people watching um just give them a little bit of insight of your mm. life before jesus so my life before jesus right when it all started like get like i guess really sinful i think it was after high school i had gotten out i gotten like into like smoking and that turned into doing getting into drugs introduced to all these like parties and you know going out to raid you know party scene drug scene and it really intrigued me because you know I didn't have any money coming out of high school um I had a friend that sold weed so I started to sell weed um started to get like you know plugs and you know that's just people who distribute big amounts of weed so I would do that I would start selling it you know selling it to random people um and I would start that moved up to starting selling Xanax and I started selling um, MDMA and all this, you know, all this stuff. And it made me a good amount of money. You know, it was satisfying. You know, I had it did have a job. I worked at a grocery store. But while I was at that job, I was selling to the people at the store, you know, go come to the back. I got you real quick. You know, stuff like that. That was my life. That's what kind of like consumed me for a long time after high school. So I, that's, you know, I got into all those friends, that friend group, that friend network of I sell this, I sell that, I do this, I do that. And yeah. that's where it started. That's where it like took off, really. Yeah. Keep going. How did how did it because I know it progressively got worse. So yeah. so how, how did you go from there to then what happened next? So I was doing it for like two years. I think it was 2016 was the blow up year, 2017. And then around 2017, 2018 is when I started getting into trouble. I had gotten two DUIs. One was a real uh, DUI for drinking and one was like a DWI with, you know, Xanax and drinking. They took me to the hospital and took my blood and all that. And, um, you know, I started getting in trouble with the police, started, you know, getting spending over nights in like the holding centers and it was really bad. I really hated it, but it, that didn't stop me. You know, that wasn't enough to stop me. Um, another part was I started to get targeted because I had such large amounts of like money and possession of stuff. So people wanted to rob me and stuff. And I did get robbed pretty bad one time. Um, I got, in, I got led into a backyard and someone hit me over the head with a pipe like a bunch of times. And I had to rush to the hospital because I thought I was like bleeding out of my head. Like they had took in it was really petty too. Like they had only taken like a quarter, like seven grams of weed and some some wax, like dab wax, like I think half a half a ounce of that. So, but I I thought thought like that was a really big part of like the downhill spiral. But that didn't stop me either. I still continued. Mm. So, 
you know, I spent the night in the hospital. I got two staples in the back of my head and a bunch of stitches in my head. And, and how old were you at that time? Uh, I think I was 20 or 21. This okay. was like St. Patrick's Day of 2017. I remember very clearly. So, <laughs> yeah, that was that was one thing. And then, you know, 2018 comes. I'm still, I start stop selling weed because I, I don't want to deal with that anymore. It's too bulky. It smells too much. My car stunk. And, uh, you know, I was just smoking it anyway. So I started moved to Xanax, right? I would get like this big, uh, you know, baggies of Xanax. And it was easier. You know, you could put it in your pocket, put it in your wallet. Um, I had a large, large clientele for that because it was cheap, it was easy, and it gave you a really good high, right? Um, that started to dissipate as well because, I mean, I had to go to, I had gotten like really bad addiction. And praise God, I never had any withdrawals like from Xanax. So there would be nights I'd stay up all night, like I couldn't sleep, couldn't eat, um, because I, if I didn't have any drug in my system, like weed or Xanax, you know, I couldn't do that. Like I looked at food and it was disgusting, like I couldn't eat. Unless I smoked or unless I got high. So I went to rehab for two weeks because I got so addicted and they weaned me off that. Um, before that, you know, the Xanax stories, you know, I had crashed a car. I had ended up in the hospital multiple times over almost overdosing. I'd almost got hit by a car. There's just a lot of a lot of like things that happened because of my Xanax addiction. And it was really bad. You know, my family was really scared. And I almost died a few times. And I was over, almost overdosed a few times. And it felt like, you know, one like in the morning, like 10 a.m. in the morning, you're, you take a Xanax. And then three next morning, like 3 o'clock in the morning, you're like in the hospital. And you wonder what the heck happened. It's like time travel. So that was a really bad, really bad part of my life. And I had to stop selling that. I had sold my last bag. And then I went to rehab. So wow. that's how that kind of stopped, that selling. So so how how did... Jesus come into the like into the whole uh, uh, into the whole story. How did Jesus? So all that throughout all that time, my grandma she was praying for me, and she would look. You know, she lived at my mom's house, then she would move back to her house in Oklahoma, and she'd come back and forth. And little by little, she tried to talk to me. A little tried to talk to me. Tried to talk to me. You know, planting seeds of faith, seeds of faith, seeds of faith. And uh, you know, she would always give me encouragement. She would always try to talk to me. So she was really like my my anchor, my grandmother. Um, she really, really wanted, cause she knew everything that was going on. She had seen me with my drug problems. She had seen me, um, you know, crash the cars. She had seen me like all the, all the news of me getting like, almost like, like that time I got jumped and robbed. And, um, you know, she had seen all that. So she really, really like had a heart for me, like above everyone else, because I was the troubled one in the family having all this happen. So the real, I guess, breaking point right before I got invited to church was when my friend, he had, cause I was still friends with people who were selling and he had gotten like, um, we would get like drugs off the dark web and stuff like that. And he ordered like a big old bag of like MDMA to my house. And that wasn't the first time it, things got shipped to my house. So the police were watching that. One morning I wake up and my house gets raided. It's like 10 a.m. I'm still in bed. They kick down the door. They kick in my room. I like a whole team of SWAT guys like rush into my room with a bunch of guns, like like big rifles, and they're pointing at me and they're telling me to get on the ground, get on the ground. And I think it's a dream at first, and they literally pull me out of my bed. I'm still in my underwear and throw me on the ground, and they just flip over the whole house, like flip over the whole house entirely. Um, you know, tie me to the ground, put me in handcuffs, and. Um, after that, that's when my friend Alex, 
Alex Tempero, he invited me to church. He didn't know any of that was going on. He had just, you know, the Holy Spirit was pursuing me. Like he really saw where I was. And after all that, you know, I was so broken. I was so done with life, man. I was so depressed because I had lost all my friends. I had lost everybody after that whole incident. So that's, I was literally at the lowest part of my life. Right why, there. why did you lose, what, 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 what in that moment caused all your friends to go away? It was my like, my friends that I would like trap out with, my friends that I would sell with and smoke with and drink with all the time. Um, what happened was as I was getting raided, it wasn't my package. So the police were like, we know this isn't your uh, MDMA. We know this isn't your drugs. If you tell us who it is, we'll let go of the two felony charges we're going to give you. And you don't have to go to jail. So I'm like, man, like I'm already like dealing with DUIs. I'm already dealing with distribution charges. I'm already dealing with all this stuff. I can't like I can't afford to have two more felonies on my record. Right. So. I was like, okay, man, I'll tell you. And it was my boy. Like it, the whole most heartbreaking thing about it was I had called him. I was like, yeah, your stuff's here. Come get it. And he's like, all right, man, I appreciate you so much, man. He was telling me over the phone, but I, in the, like I was, you know, I was snitching on him. I was telling the police like, yeah, he'll come, you know, you can grab him. I'll leave it in the mailbox. So I was like, yeah, come get it in the mailbox. He's like, man, you want any weed, man? Like, I really appreciate it. He's like, no, nah, man, it's all good. I'm gone. Like I'm not at home. So he pulls up, um, he doesn't see any police cars in the neighborhood around him, and they he gets the stuff out of the mailbox. He goes back to his car. He tries to drive out the neighborhood, and they block him in, and they book him. And then, like, the word spreads, oh, he snitched on me, this and that. He's a snitch. Don't talk to him. You know, he's an informant for the police. All these crazy things go up, and it's just like, they don't talk to me anymore. You know, people start hating me, start talking trash about me, and, you know, I lose everybody. Yeah. Because, like, in the streets, like, if you snitch... You know, so if you're a rat, nobody's gonna talk to you. Right, you're, you lose everyone. And if you and if you didn't, then you would be in jail probably yeah. right now. Yeah, probably. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. So yeah. I kind of weighed up my options there. Yeah. So so Alex reaches out to you. He doesn't know that any of this mm -mm. is going on. Mm -mm. And what is, what does he what does he say? Um, I can't really remember exactly what he says, but he texted me. He's like, "Hey, you want to come to church one night? We're doing like like we have Friday gathering and stuff." And I think. Um, like, I hadn't seen him in a while. I kind of missed him. So I was like, okay, yeah, I haven't seen you in a while. Come to church, man. You know what I'm saying? So I come to church. Um, I'm, like, really, like, just me, you know, okay, I'll see what's up. I'm really open-hearted, though, because I have nothing else to really look forward to. Like, I have nothing else to lean on. So, okay, you know, grandma, I remember everything my grandma said. Give God, you know, give your life to Jesus, you know, follow him, do this. Okay, let's go to church. Okay. So, you know, I come to Friday Night Ascend. They're worshiping up here. And it's like all really like kind of weird to me. I had gone to a church before though when I was younger. It was the one down the street, Assemblies of God, but I didn't really stick there. I was really young and it didn't really like attract me. Not not speaking bad about them. God bless them and I love them and I still have someone I reach out to there from. There's someone still from there reach out reaches out to me, but I, it didn't stick with me. You know, nothing no, nothing really stuck with me. So I come here and it's I guess like it's worship and then it's the Word of God and I kind of go home that night not really changed or anything. Like I get introduced to it and I meet some people, but I still go home at night. I'm still smoking. You know, I'm still like doing this and that, looking, looking, trying to get high and stuff. So nothing really changed until like the second or third or fourth time. I really, you know, surrendered myself and got prayer from the ministry team. And that's when things started to change when I really like opened myself up to prayer and, uh, you know, humbling myself and letting go of things because I was holding on to a lot. Mm. So 
Can you talk more about that that process, that transition, that transition point from like surrender? Yeah, right. So because you just said like you were still tied up to things, right? Mm-hmm. And now you're getting prayer and you're making this decision, right? So can you give just a little bit more insight of that transition of kind of letting these things go? What did God begin to show you? What did He begin to do in your life that kind of made everything make sense? Mm-hmm. So. I should mention this. This is something I want people to know. Before I got invited to church, I had this dream. And it was like a love, but at the same time was really scary. And this is why. So I had seen like a man, obviously this being Jesus, like walking down this hallway. Like his back was turned. He was walking down this hallway. He was like in a really white robe. I couldn't see his face. And then, you know, I saw him walking this way. I started to follow him. And his face, all of a sudden his face appeared like right here. Right, but I couldn't make out like his face or anything. I just knew his face was in front of me. Couldn't see any features, nothing. I just knew, and it was really quick. And he looked at me, and then all of a sudden, like five seconds later, everything went black, and I dropped. And like I woke up, like instantly, like sweating, and like in the middle of the night, like I'd known that I had gone to hell, right? Because I had you know dropped <laughs> like super fast. And then, like I guess a week later. I didn't really understand it at first, but a week later, Alex invites me to church, and then I start coming, and I keep like replaying that dream in my head. Like, it was like love, but at the same time, it was real, real fear because it was like scary, scary. Like I had never felt fear like that before in my life because I had woken up sweating. Like I've never, I don't, I'm not the kind of person to have visions or like crazy dreams and stuff like that. But that was like something seriously real that happened. So. You know, I had no, I knew like something had to change. Like I was going down a path of destruction if I had continued to hold on to these addictions, hold on to this hate and anger and this sinful lifestyle. And it was a process, you know, it didn't happen overnight. I was probably coming to church still smoking for like six months. I was picking up Xanax. I was still drinking for like half a year to a year. Um, You know, I remember one time here, you know, Ascend, I think it was Johnny, he was like calling out like, like doing prophetic words and he had called someone in here as migraines and I had suffered from migraines a lot. That's why I, would, I had a medical card for smoke smoking. I had, that's why I'd taken Xanax because it would put me out and I would treat myself, and I would medicate myself with that. So, you know, we got pray, I got prayer for that. It didn't stop immediately, but today, like I can tell you right now, today I'm free from the pain of migraines, right? Like it doesn't really happen anymore. You know, it's I'm kind of free from that. And I don't have to turn the weed. I don't have to turn to any other drugs to find healing in that because I turned to Jesus for that. Mm. And I kept praying and praying. You know, after that happened, it's like God can really heal. God can do miracles. God can do this. And I didn't. I kind of thought people were just like lying when they said they got prayer for their knee. Like, oh, I can walk again. I was like, man, you're just trying to like make everyone feel good, you know. But it's true. Like he does heal. He really does heal. And I experienced that for the first time. So that's what really like got me going, really got me into prayer, really got me into like, I wanted to, what's it called? I wanted to really join the community here. I wanted to get involved here. So I got into Ascend, started serving at the church, you know, and then that's when I really started growing. That's when I really started making connections and friendships, getting into life groups. And it just was, you know, lift off from there. Wow. So... Looking back at your life today, obviously, God willing, you you have a long way to go, right? Mm-hmm. Um, but looking at your the, the last couple of years of your life, 
um, what can you say that Jesus has done in your life? Jesus has done a lot. I mean, I would, I used to like wake up. I remember this very clearly. I would wake up in the morning and I would be so pissed that I woke up because the emotions that ran through my mind and my heart, like in my chest, I could feel like the sadness in my chest. Like I have to wake up again. I got to do this again. Cause like it sucked like being at the bottom, like having nothing, everyone's gone. I don't even have enough me- m- enough money to buy weed anymore. Like I'm stealing from my sister. It's like, this sucks. Dude. I don't got a job. I keep dropping out of school. I got nothing, man. I'm just sitting at home, like looking, watching Netflix, doing nothing. Got no purpose. So I just hated waking up. I really hated waking up. Um, looking back, what else he's done? I mean, he's taken away a big anger problem that I had. I used to be really angry, like I'd punch holes in the walls, fight with my parents, fight with my family, fight with people, like road rage and stuff like that. He's healed me from those migraines. I mean, he's done so much. He's brought me into a place of intimacy where if I have a problem, I don't take it out on people. I don't get angry at myself. I don't go to drugs. And, you know, I just go to him and I really just get on my knees and pray. Like I've developed and cultivated such a relationship that's like I don't have with any human besides like just Jesus right and it's just like something I it's something like supernatural like every time I get on my knees and pray like and I really pray like he meets me and it's just life-changing every time Jesus has encountered me it's been life-changing like I change you can't be the same you know you just can't be the same and I'll, I'll reiterate like I'm not the kind of person to you know see crazy visions give prophetic words or have crazy dreams but the Holy Spirit he still talks to me in my in my the way I, that I can understand and hear him, he knows me very personally, intimately. Yeah. So, if, if for anybody that's watching, man, and and maybe they find they're finding themselves in the same position that you were, right, selling drugs, uh, being addicted to Xanax, or um, if if they're connecting with any part of your story right now, uh, what can you say to that person watching or listening? Man, you gotta you gotta be vulnerable and just let go of the pride, let go of I can do this myself mentality because you can't. And if you do, you probably only get, a, you only get, probably get so far. I mean, you need people. You really do need community. You need people who are going to love you, seriously. And if somebody's not loving you through the, the bad and the, like, if that's not really a friend, you need to find some real people to really help you and pray for you. I don't care how embarrassing it is. You got to like, you got to like bring it to the surface. You got to confess it. You got to bring it to Jesus. You got to bring it to the the cloud of witnesses as the bible says right so you just got to open up and i for a long time for a lot of things i was holding on to a lot of things because i didn't want to be embarrassed like i'm a man right i'm supposed to be strong i'm supposed to be able to overcome things it's not true (laughs) i couldn't do it without the holy spirit i couldn't do without jesus right so just open up you know don't everybody's struggling everybody's got problems you know you're not you're not special god's dealt with this probably a million times over before so he knows what to do with you 